0: Hey everybody! This is Phil Town,
1: and this is Danielle Town.
0: <laughs> there, there she is.
1: I forgot to start the stopwatch daughter, timer, and my, I got confused.
0: My daughter is on the other side of this podcast on the sort of on the other side of the Atlantic. Not sort of; she's completely on the other side of the Atlantic, <laughs> over in Zurich, plus and I'm some in Atlanta, land mass. Plus yes. some landmass. Plus some landmass, and. Uh, Uh, we saw each other in Iceland this summer, which was really fun. We
1: did, you know, and I kept promising to all of our listeners that we would talk about that trip and we sort of like never really did. And we've also been moving towards penny stocks. So should we Can I tell
0: everybody that, that you just, you got naked and, and jumped into the fjord. You went into the fjord where your great, great grandfather, great, great, let's see. My great great. So, this is your great 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 grandfather fished from the time he was 14, fished for sharks, hunted sharks.
1: I thought he was my great great. I think he's my great great and he's is your he great? great. Yeah.
0: Okay. He's my great. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he was well, born let me in give like a little 1840s. context to this. So, as everybody okay, knows,
1: I've been massively ill for a long time. And so, we planned this trip with me knowing that. It was going to be a huge stretch for me and so we were very careful to like not plan much stuff right. but we just wanted to go and go to the national archive and see the records of our family and um, i had been to iceland before and done that but but you and um and my sister hadn't so we just wanted to do that and we thought we would stay in Reykjavik the whole time because that was the easiest place to fly into but the family is actually from the north Of Iceland which is like either a long drive or a flight to get to so we had decided okay we're just that's too bad but we're just not going to go up there because it's going to be too much for me and we also we're only going to be there for a long weekend so I've been doing like various things and been getting a little more normalcy maybe I don't know exactly some days are very much less than normal some days are a little more robust yeah um, but the, the coolest thing was that I got there, like usually a flight would have just destroyed me and I got there and I was like, I am not destroyed. This is the best thing ever. And we had the best time our first day and we went to the National Archive right as they were closing and they were so nice to us and let us like look for the books and, um, and and we started well, to kind the, of the
0: first the first thing we did was get in a cab coming back from the airport and have the cab driver tell us that we were related because oh, yeah, that because you were so excited. I'm so excited. <laughs> this is, there's an app that everyone uses in Iceland to be sure you're not about to marry your cousin because there's like three hundred and eighty thousand people or something. So, yeah, and everybody's everybody who's been whose family have been there from the beginning are all related in some way or another. And this app shows you if you are. And in a matter of a minute, knowing our great great grandfather's birth date and location, he found him and then went back from there and found that we were related from his ancestor to our ancestor were brothers back in 1590. They were born in 1590. And it's like, okay, this is really amazing. We're, we're we're in an interesting country that has really, really good um, records of of everyone going back to the founders. Yeah. So well, yeah, really quite cool. So for
1: people who don't know about Iceland genealogy, it's been such an isolated island for let's I don't know almost a thousand years, right? Like since uh, roughly like fourteen hundred, I think they're. No, 1200.
0: 800, 890. They, yeah, but
1: there were there. people coming in and out for a little while. And then there was kind of a period where people stopped moving to Iceland, essentially. And mm-hmm. I can't remember exactly when that was. But so, for a very many hundreds of years, it's been isolated and cut off. And like you said, like everybody had to just sort of marry each other. Yeah. And so, um, and so. It also is a place where in the Nordic tradition, they don't have last names. You take the name of your father, your father's first name, and add son or daughter to it. Right. Um, and women don't change their names when they got married. They're just so-and-so's daughter for their right. whole lives. And so in order to track who was married to who and who was whose child, the parish, the church parishes took excellent records of everybody and so because Iceland was one so isolated and two had uh, very reliable genealogical records of who and when and where everybody was born and got married and died. It has the best genealogical records in the world and because of that like we as descendants of Icelanders can go to the National Archives and actually look at the actual books. Of these church parish records, yeah, the it's like, just incredible. The original
0: books, it was like they just pull them out and give them to you. It's
1: like yeah. here you go. They do have copies now, but when I went before, like ten years ago, they didn't have copies then. She said they were in the process of starting to put it all onto amazing, you know, microfiche or whatever. Yeah, so, <laughs> so we, we, um, we so yeah, with so the now National there's this archivist.
0: App. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. And, and there's an app because now like with everybody doing online dating, the first thing you do is like pull out the app and make sure you're not too closely related. And it's kind of mostly a joke, but also kind of cool.
0: Yeah. Pretty cool. And so we, we went there the first day and found, found the records of, um, of, um, well, let me see. My great grandfather, who's John Thorderson um, we found his birth record. So now we knew pretty much where, what parish he was born in and what day, you know, what day he was born on. Mm-hmm. And that gave us information that we didn't have. We had Rosa's stuff. They got married mm-hmm. and, uh, came to Canada, immigrated out of Iceland when there was this huge famine going on in the 1870s. Mm-hmm. They immigrated to, to uh, Canada. And then after several years of trying to make it there, they Came down and homesteaded in North Dakota. Failed on their first homestead. Moved another twenty miles south. So they were about thirty miles from the Canadian border in a really tough country. And wasn't it wild
1: how pretty much everybody who we told, oh, our your great grandparents um, emigrated in the eighteen hundreds, they immediately said, was it to Winnipeg? Because there was everybody went. Yeah. To to Winnipeg like I right. didn't realize that I just kind of imagined sort of like boats going to different destinations for whatever reason. But no, they all went to Winnipeg. And so that there's tough. a huge Icelandic group still there.
0: Oh, the, yeah, it must be right. And they tried to have an Icelandic settlement just uh, I believe just north of Winnipeg. And John went up there for a season for a, like a winter season. And Rosa's notes were like he's, she was sort of like mad at him because he didn't come back with any money. He came back with $10. Well,
1: from yeah. Oh,
0: cutting crap. wood up there and didn't like it. So <laughs> uh, they finally <laughs> were successful with a homestead. And then part of the reason for that was that John started working in the lumber industry, which he'd had some experience with in Canada and started to make a living and built a nice house and then got into the grain industry and was a grain broker. Um, and then they, then basically, he died of cancer and Rosa immigrated to Oregon, where our, my grandmother was raised. And actually, she was raised in North Dakota until she was about 17 and, hmm. or, or 20, rather. And then she and Rosa went together with her sister, one of her sisters, and they homesteaded about 500 acres in Willamette Valley and couldn't make it uh, because hmm. John died of cancer. And hmm. then they went into the city in Portland, met my grandfather. She got married. And here we are.
1: Oh, Rosa well, met your she, grandfather. Yeah.
0: N- no, uh, Christine. Sorry. Yeah,
1: of course. Not Rosa. <laughs>
0: and uh, and then <laughs> I get Christine, them all mixed up. Christine was weakened by giving birth. Well, she, she gave birth to four boys. My dad, your grandfather, was the fourth one and she was so weak after giving birth to him she died two months later you got
1: yeah it's so sad some
0: some version of the flu or something and that and then she was gone so my dad never knew her of course we never knew her but we knew this icelandic background right my dad's half icelandic and And
1: it's been such family lore for such a long time
0: oh yeah yeah we really wanted to check it out had no idea how cool it was going to be honestly though really um, yeah, well, when we tracked down the funniest Jobs thing Parish, to me
1: about the whole trip was how surprised you were at how cool oh it was. Oh
0: my gosh.
1: I because was so when surprised. I went there the first time, I was just expecting it to be totally awesome, and it totally was. And I think, I don't know, maybe I just, you just I hadn't just thought about it
0: too much. I just didn't really have any expectation of how it hit me. Yeah. But when we got a hold of a guide, just happenstance on the internet, just dug in and found a guide who was available named Thor Halmerson. And Thor had lived his whole life up in Akiriri And Wait, wait, and wait, wait. Let's, before we get to back. Thor.
1: Mm. So the way that we met Thor is that on that day, the first day we arrived in the, or we, and we, we went to the Blue Lagoon, which is amazing, and I totally <laughs> recommend it. And, um, and by the way, I think that actually not just besides that the Blue Lagoon is incredible, but I feel like for the three of us, it was it was a very impressionable moment of thinking about how unbelievably hard Rosa and John's lives were. And we spent that whole time there talking about them, do you remember? Like in the pools in and stuff? In the lap
0: of luxury. In the we were,
1: absolute yeah. lap of luxury that we were in, mm-hmm. in, you know, just, it doesn't get, better than that we were in like the top tier of the top tier section of the it was so wonderful yeah and we just were we spent the whole time just going like this is uh, like literally nobody in our family had really except for me that one time but i didn't really do the family stuff too much so nobody in her family had come back to iceland since they left on that boat to go to winnipeg and become homesteaders and do everything 100, else they did years, and we fly years in and go to this freaking blue lagoon like spa experience in the middle of a the gigantic, gigantic lava field unbelievable Just. dichotomy of experiences and we felt it That was, I think, uh, actually looking back, I think maybe if we hadn't done that, we wouldn't have even had quite the same like intense experience. I don't know.
0: I hadn't thought of it like that. That's my... I hadn't really really either until I was
1: thinking about that day just now. And so we did the Blue Lagoon like most of the day from the morning into the afternoon. And then we got back and I said, you know, I think maybe I could do the trip up north to Akarey because I was feeling strong and... The flight over there hadn't uh, given me fatigue so we just we you really made it happen like you guys just booked things and you found Thor on the internet somehow and we got plane tickets for the next morning at 7 a.m to fly the one hour flight up to Akareri and we just like did it and it was (laughs) unbelievable it was the most massive day, exhausting, incredible day. Yeah. So we landed in Akureyri, Thor who we had no clue about picked us up at the airport. Turns out he's like the loveliest oh. Icelandic man guide. Like everybody book him if you go to Akureyri. How do you yep. find him, dad? Like is, what was he under? Does he
0: have he a website? He was working he was just like he was just a guide working for some company. Um, and I, I know he said that he
1: has an Instagram. This is the worst. I should look this stuff up.
0: Yeah, we should look. That I
1: best. think it's under like Thor, the guide, something like that. Um, and he's North Iceland. So if you find a Thor who's in Reykjavik, it's not him. It's only the Thor that's in Akureyri. Yep. And, um, and he picked us up and he was like, do you want to go to the waterfall? Cause everybody wants to go to the waterfall. And we were just like, no, no. <laughs> Can you take us? to an empty field that is roughly in this location but we (laughs) don't actually know where it is and he was kind of like what like he was super he was very nice about it but he was definitely weirded out by us and then we sort of explained and we drove and talked about the family stuff and then he like got into it and he was like I'm gonna call my sister who's the head of like the Heritage Museum or something right, like that right. and like see if she can look it up because we knew like dad said like roughly where the roughly the county but we didn't know we like where the name in of the farm. yeah but we, we knew, knew it in this very farm. badly written transliterated right. English right which is not spelled the same way the Icelanders spell it so we were trying right. to say something and they would be like I don't even know what you're saying because it's not a word that we have. And like so it's, then it's
0: pronounced something like zven Armis, something like that. Svenness. Yeah, so you can imagine what somebody is writing down when you get that word. And and Thor understood the parish which was going to be north up the peninsula. Um, and north and and up the fjord out of Akureyri. But that's
1: Finner. I mean, even before that, like, remember we stopped by that river, and he was like, "I think this is roughly the farm," and it was called, whatever the that first farm was called. And then we found the church where they would have gotten. But that married. was that
0: was Rosa's side of things. Oh, okay. Two, yeah, that was Rosa's side. So we found the farm that Rosa was spent her life on from six years old until twenty six years old. Okay. Yeah. Found that farm and got Which to walk is, by out the way, on
1: it. That place was so beautiful.
0: Oh, my God.
1: Every single one of these places, we were just like, uh, I mean, so you could build these a $10 million home here and everyone would be like, yeah, that's correct. Oh, yeah. yeah, definitely. Oh, yeah. The view I is mean, better than your $10 million home.
0: Oh, yeah. You're looking like the view. Here's what I did not expect. This. I mean, we live 20 some years in Jackson Hole and this view was like that. It
1: was Jackson level. It absolutely was. It was was unbelievable.
0: Shipping can make or break a sale. So optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code POD. That's shipstation.com with the code POD. So just they this were not valley with beautiful farms and these big mountains rising up on both sides. Yeah. It was stunning. It really was. It reminded so, me a
1: lot if anybody's been to Yellowstone it reminds reminded me a lot of the Lamar Valley. It was like just this very long valley and the mountains yeah. on both sides. And you could see middle. and a big river and you could see the whole valley from like right. various vantage points. It was just super right. cool.
0: And everywhere you look on the valley on the sides was some amazing peak. that was just like your view was cut off by peaks in all yeah. directions. It was and we got
1: so lucky because the clouds went away. We, we wouldn't have seen um, any of it if, if it had been cloudy, which I'm sure most of the time it is cloudy. So we found these other places. And then and then Thor goes, so do you want to go to the waterfall now? And we were just like. No, we 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 actually don't care about the waterfall and he was like everybody wants to go to the and we could tell like he just wanted to give us a good day, you know, and do the yeah. tour guiding thing that he does. And finally right. he just was like he sort of clicked and was like, "All right, I got it. Like they don't want to go to the waterfall. They want to go see more dirt. And so yes. I am going to help them." <laughs> and at that point <laughs> He <laughs> got into it.
0: He got into it.
1: Oh, my God. <laughs> he looked at all we of our papers.
0: See, we wanted to see everything. We wanted to see. We knew that and he both goes, of their farms were on were on the uh, east side of the river, and you have to cross the river to get to Acurari. Yeah. And there were no bridges, because we yeah. know that from the writings from back. And we wanted to know where would they cross this river. So we started exploring. Thank God goodness he had a four-wheel drive big four-wheel drive American beast of a car what was that thing I don't know
1: suburban maybe
0: yeah it was like it was a Ford something it was a Ford expedition but bigger and um, so we would get right down on the dirt roads and open gates and close gates yes so this is that's completely legal in Ireland so this is the next thing
1: so then, so I was like showing him the piece of paper that had, so that was Rosa's stuff, like you said. And then John, who she married, had lived up the valley more closer to the ocean and um, where she was down like more in the protected fjord area. And, uh, and so we were showing him this name and he goes, I don't know that name. It's just, I've never, I'm not familiar with it. And then he called another friend translate. of his- Yeah, he said it doesn't translate. So he called a friend of his. And then he came back and he goes, Okay, I think I figured it out. I think it's up this up the fjord towards the ocean. But there's no road that goes there anymore. There used to be like back when he would have lived there, they would have had some sort of road. But now it's like nobody uses it anymore. So There's no road. So the closest we can get is this town that's basically the end of the road. So we said, okay, cool. Let's just go to the town. And on the way, he said, I'll just stop at home and get this really good topo map and my amazing giant dog and put (laughs) his amazing giant dog in the car and got his map. And he comes back with the map and he goes, the map actually shows that there's a dirt road that goes out there so i think maybe we can do it he goes i don't know how far we can get but let's try so so we were like done like finally we're we're going for it and thor's into it so yeah drove the dirt road ended up at the very end
0: we get there and it's blocked of course um, it was with a fence, yeah. There's a fence, and oh, last yeah, you had house. to open some fences, yeah. And true. it turns out that in Iceland, there's a law that you can go through anybody's property, and there's no such thing as trespassing in Iceland. And so, Thor didn't have to ask permission from anybody, he just basically got to take care of the gates. So, we just drove up, pulled open this kind of wire gate, and opened the road. There, we is, through, then we there is the
1: trespassing, but it's, there's no stopping right of way. He explained it like, um, yeah,
0: like you're right allowed then. to you walk can go through. through. Yeah. There it is. That's all right. So now we find ourselves moving north up this peninsula that is completely rugged. Um, there's no one that lives up there. It and was like
1: highway one on Big Sur. If highway one was a tiny one lane dirt
0: road, little Dirt track. But it
1: was like that it would kind be of quite like a drop lot like off that. and incredible. Yeah, with the views. drop off that
0: goes down to the ocean a thousand feet down, and there's, you know, the roads kind of. And eroded. it's a mountain.
1: Like we weren't driving it's on the mountain. top, like we were driving on the side of the mountain. Oh, yeah.
0: It was it's just a, amazing. It, it's a cut, cut trail into the side of this very steep mountain. And then it went on for seven kilometers of this, mountain. just working yeah. our way, not knowing how far we could get before we had to turn around, which is a euphemism because you couldn't turn around. There was no way to turn around on this thing. You'd have to back out this four-wheel drive road. It was like, hmm, interesting. And there were a couple places where it was so sketchy and and eroded with the big drop-off that I was thinking of asking Thor to let us walk. And, you know, basically he, he would... Anticipate that and be honest, okay, got it. We got it. It was this. all right.
1: I was sitting yeah. behind him on, on the driver's side and I could see that it wasn't it wasn't, it wasn't too terrible. sketchy on that side, yeah.
0: Yeah. And so we we kept coming to oh, and it turns out that if you have certain maps, that the names of the farms are on those maps because the farm names stay oh, yeah. with the farm.
1: That was wild. And
0: they stay with the farm from back hundreds of years and so you'll see these dots on the map with a name and it's the name of the farm and it goes back forever so so this map that he
1: had was from like uh, you know last year and it had mm -hmm. the same name as the names that we had Sveen Arness from 1890
0: yeah exactly
1: insane
0: and we only had yeah and and so we knew roughly where it was. It was a point on the map. So, you know, you don't know how accurate those are. Yeah. But we got a real benefit of some some good markings from, this, from the country. Um, because this property, these properties had sort of become landmarks of sort, like sort of historical, mm-hmm. um, very rough to live up there on this fjord. It was very far from anything and very hard to get to town. And to this day, we don't know if our ancestors rode a boat to town or whether they tried to take a horse to town or a wagon to town or walk to town. It's like 20 mm-hmm. miles down to Akiriria. There's the crow flies. So um, we got closer and we started to see some abandoned ruins. Mm-hmm. And so we stopped and got out and began to look in that direction and there was a signpost that said the name of the farm that was right before Zvenarnis. and we we're like holy smokes and it's got the date that th- there was an attempted homestead and then yeah so the it's basically it was like abandoned. a historical
1: plaque. yeah a little
0: square about six inches on a post mm-hmm. and so then we knew right where we were and it was right where the map said we were so we could look and see the ruins of the of the farmhouse, which was on Zen Arness. And then we kept going another kilometer or so or a little less and and uh, came to a, a, a really livable part of this fjord. It was not so steep. It was still steep, but not ridiculous. We could turn the truck around. And there was Zen Arness sign by a ruin that had rock stone foundation and then it was the ruin was cement which meant that it had of course been built later um and john abandoned this place late the latest he used it was 1876 Mm -hmm. that was the year that they left unless his father was still there which may be the case we don't we just don't know what happened to his dad our great great my great great your great 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 grandfather, because they were shark fishermen and shark fishing was only allowed in the winter time, astonishingly, which meant these, that was because everyone had to work on a farm in the summertime all through that time period. It was sort of communal tribal living. And so everyone went down to the more arable parts of Akiriri and worked farms. That's why John had a farm down there. And then in the winter they would go up on this peninsula, and they would—they had a little alcove that you could get a boat into. So just well, why that's they chose how we chose
1: that—that's I think how we really knew that we had found the right place right. because we found that little inlet, place. and it just made sense. That's yep. a place where you could come back with a shark dragging off the side of your literally rowboat. And you could get the shark up the rocks and there were rocks that were kind of smoothed a little bit. Mm -hmm. And either they started out that way or they got that way. And there was another ruin of a dwelling or of a drying house or of a process, Mm -hmm. something Mm -hmm. um, that was there. So we're... You know, ninety-nine percent sure that's the spot. It was yep pretty crazy to think about that life and try yep. to imagine it. And
0: oh, there was there was two things that made it possible to live there. One was you could get your boat away from the rough water of the fjord. Yeah, and the second was that there was a little tiny river, which is what this farm was named for. Zvenarnes hmm. means uh, what does it mean? It pig something. And it's the Pig said, River.
1: Yeah, it was like the Pig Creek, something Pig like Creek that. Pig Creek or
0: something. It was a, a, they call it a river, but it's, you know, four feet wide. But it comes down like a waterfall in Yosemite off of this mountain and ran fairly near uh, where they put the house foundation so they could get fresh water and they could get their boat in. And those are the mm-hmm. two things they had to have in order to live there. Um, and, uh, I mean, initially we thought they had to bring sharks up onto this bluff, which would be tough work. And then we found out later that they didn't bring the sharks in unless they were going to bury them and eat them later, let them ferment for three or four months and and become edible of sorts. Um, Otherwise, they would gut the shark out at sea and pull the liver, and that's what they were hunting for. Um, Oh, really?
1: Oh, I didn't know Yeah.
0: So the the livers were very very valuable because it was oil that mm. could be used in lamps, and they sold them to traders who took them to Denmark, oh. and you could you could make a good living and you could buy farms if you survived, um, and of course survival was the essence of understanding this the winds and understanding your boat. I mean these guys were going out in twenty foot rowboats that would have two or three sets of of oars to row. It'd be like six or seven guys on the boat. And John started going out with his dad when he was 14. That was the youngest oh. you were allowed to go. And they just, sometimes people just didn't come back and nobody ever knew what happened to them. And that was just the end of it. Cause if your yeah. your boat tipped over, most of these guys couldn't even swim. So much less well, survive in the about, Arctic sea in the winter.
1: Right. Think about the modern clothing that fishermen wear, like right. the rain gear, the water gear, the survival gear, they didn't have any of that. They had wool, probably.
0: No, no, they had skins.
1: Oh, they would wear skins. Yeah, yeah. You they must took, have learned all this stuff after I left.
0: I did. I learned it when we were on when we went up to um, uh, one of the northern fjords. It wasn't Akureyri, and they have a display set oh, out by and the that's water. that's where you got
1: that photo. That um, so I got the
0: photo of, photo of like, the
1: painting.
0: A, a, a boat that was from 1936. So it was very much. It was built out of driftwood. They, had, they All the forests were cut down in Iceland for survival. Mm-hmm. And the only wood that was available was driftwood coming in from Siberia. And so they would find this amazing driftwood, which would be fabulously sturdy, and carve it and build boats. And um, the oars were, you know, I rode for years in the Grand Canyon. We had oars with blades that were about eight inches wide. And these guys had blades that were about three inches wide. And that was because they were going to row for eight or nine hours. The the um, sort of the do the do what's it called doula, the doula who was ex- describing all this. Isn't that a person that explains historic docent? things? Docent, like yeah, in a museum. Is. Yeah, doula. Oh, is
1: okay. Else. A doula is a birth coach, so I was oh, a little yeah, confused. There we go.
0: Okay, so docent. So it wasn't in a museum. It was outdoors at a uh-huh. yeah. at a uh, display of what the homes looked like and so on. Um, and she wore a uh, a waterproof suit and what it was was you take sheepskin turn Uh it inside out and on the outside you cover it with fish oil and shark oil Uh and and it becomes impermeable of sorts and that's what they wore they wore hats made out of that and the whole thing all the way down to their feet nice and get this they they used that worked Oh, I think it worked really well, actually, and yeah. maybe even better than the gear we have now. Who knows? It's
1: probably really heavy, but I bet it kept the water out.
0: Yeah, I would think so. And weight wouldn't be a real problem in rowing. You're just trying to stay right. warm. Yeah. But one of the cool, cool things that they showed us was that they used a two-thumb glove. Okay. Like they would knit a two-thumb glove. It would be a glove on each side of the, of the glove. I mean a thumb on each side of the glove.
1: Uh-huh.
0: And the reason they did that is because when you're rowing, you know, you, you're going to wear out the inside, the, the part of the glove that's ah. on your inside of your hand. And this will allow you to turn the glove over in another thumb hole there and then row it again. So the gloves would last twice as long. Amazing. So I thought those were really cool.
1: That is so yeah. smart.
0: But she was talking about how dangerous this was. I mean, so many of these guys lost their lives going out in the Arctic Sea yeah. in the winter to fish with big fish hooks to try to hook these Norwegian sharks that were bottom feeders mostly. And um, they would pull them up. They would be as big as the boat. 20 feet was common. And then they would, um, which I mean you've got a fighting shark on the other end of this thing right. while you're dealing with the sea. Yeah. So that 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 was well just breathtaking how tough these guys were to survive yeah. up there like that.
1: And And the women, holy Christmas. That land felt hard to live on.
0: Oh, yeah.
1: Uh, Well, so to get back to the beginning of what you said, so we were there and it's a hill because it was on a mountain. It's basically the bottom of a mountain. And I thought like, oh, without getting into all my limitations, climbing up a hill is extremely difficult for me. And I thought if I go down there, I'm going to have to come back up. And you guys were like, you know what? We'll help you. Like, just it's worth it and so i yeah. decided to just do it and if i was dead the next day fine i was dead the next day so went down there i'm so glad i did and we were just wandering around and feeling the atmosphere and we both lena and i were just like we got it like we just got to jump in to commune with our ancestors <laughs> so dad turned around went back up the hill and yep. we uh yeah it was stripped off and we didn't jump in it was horribly cold it was exactly as cold as you imagine the arctic sea to be so basically individually each one of us stood there and we're like okay do it and then basically like went down into the water got out as quick as we could and then with great encouragement the other one helped (laughs) helped each of us up because it was super slippery and there was so much like um algae around and Cracking our head open in spying our nest at the end of the world didn't sound like a great idea. Oh, so no, no, no. We no. managed to do it safely, and honestly, and did it, it did, right did feel boat, like right something. it right where the boat would come in. You yeah, did it right and it in the felt it like, I, in the beginning, I was like, oh, I shouldn't do it because it, it could make me more tired, and blah, blah, blah. and I just had this feeling like, no, I need, like, they want me to do this. I
0: need oh, to do Oh, so cool.
1: So we did it, and it was great.
0: Oh my um, so cool
1: and then we somehow got back up the hill and went back to the airport and flew back to Reykjavik and basically have been amazed that we did that ever since then yeah,
0: it's super super great and, I, and I'll incredible. tell you I I think just a lead we were going to talk about penny stocks today and we sort of went off on this on this little mental journey but I, there's there's something to learn here um, for investing and And that is that- What's that, dad? We talk a lot about risk. um, And in penny stocks, one of the great cautions of penny stocks is they're much more risky than larger, more Mm -hmm. established companies. Um, Often they're not very good companies and they're just struggling. And um, there are people who purport to be able to tell you what stocks to buy and, and they're just old fashioned pump and dump schemes and scam artists. And I mean, the penny stock world is much less regulated and much more wild, wild west. Um, and maybe not the best place for somebody that wants to buy and hold something forever because these companies are very volatile and may go under and, you know, you really got to know what you're doing if you want to own something for a long time, but it's not impossible to find something and own it for a long time, um, in that stock world. And we'll get into that, but here's, here's what I wanted to just say is what we consider risky relative to our ancestors is such a lower bar, you know, I mean, these people went out every day to survive. I mean, they may not get through the winter. Their children might not get through the winter. And I, I think that they grew sort of accustomed to the level of risk, almost like a soldier does who's in combat, grows a, kind of accustomed to the risk and, and accepts that death is potentially part of the game and mm-hmm. um, we've we've gotten so far away from that you know and, and perhaps it's time to move back toward a more balanced appraisal you think of that's what what's really what helpful though about. in
1: in investing choices i'm not sure that's
0: i think it's helpful I'm not in the sure sense having a, if,
1: a lower bar of what's risky is
0: well here's here's why what, what i wanted to say is that one of the things that i thought when i got back from vietnam was that every day i get up Nobody's trying to, nobody's trying to kill me. Yeah. And it's like you start to realize that what we think is a terrible, horrible event in your life is so not horrible or terrible. It's just an economic downturn or an economic event. So that if, if you were to be an investor and just the markets crash down 80% and we have this huge depression, um, life would be a lot less um, comfortable, Mm -hmm. but you're not shark fishing every day and you're going to come home at night and you're going to see your children grow up and you're not in a war and you're not attacked by, you know, dread diseases. Um, And all of that was what was part of all of our ancestors' lives forever before the industrial age started to happen. Um, So... I think just keep it in mind, if you have a bad streak and things aren't going well, whatever part of your life, things are not going well, keep a level keel, right? Keep it in mind that you're not, you're not facing death on a daily basis. And if you're not, then you're always going to be around to fight back and get up, off your, get up off the floor and give it another shot the next day. So I just, that's what yeah. it teaches me when I look back at our ancestors.
1: All right. Sounds good. All right. With that. With that, thanks everybody for listening to our walk down memory lane. And maybe we'll talk about investing next week. I
0: think we will. (laughs) I think we will. Thanks everybody. Bye. Time to go play. See ya.